I remember um, a close friend's brother um, who chose to marry a black woman. As it happened, he was a doctor and she was a doctor. But his mother took to bed and didn't talk to him for years. And then, and, and he just went and, you know, married the woman and uh, started his life. And then eventually what she realized was, I've lost my son. And I don't want to not have my son. And she came around. This week, researchers from Stanford looked at how white women were perceived when they were in an interracial relationship, specifically with black men. Spoiler, America, we need to do a lot, a lot better. Dr. Karen Sherman discusses the findings. Stay tuned. I never want to give it back. This feeling. No place I'd rather be than the here and now. Hi, I'm going to keep this short. If you're new to the podcast, welcome. You should know that we have a website, hitchedmag.com, with thousands of articles, our complete podcast archive with over 500 episodes, a free weekly newsletter, and more. If you like this podcast, please leave a rating or review to help encourage others to join. And without further ado, enjoy. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. This is Steve Cooper, editor-in-chief of HitchedMag.com. I am joined once again by the lovely, the brilliant, the original Dr. Karen Sherman. Hi, Karen. Hi, Steve. Hi. Uh, Karen is a practicing psychologist in relationships and lifestyle issues for over 30 years. Karen is the author of Mindfulness and the Art of Choice, Transform Your Life, and she is the co-author of Marriage Magic, Find It, Keep It, and Make It Last. You can find uh, this information at her website, drkarensherman.com, plus much more. And um, yeah, let's jump into it. Okay. So um, I was checking out a new uh, research paper out of Stanford um, that was discussing, well, it's titled Gendered Racial Boundary Maintenance, Social Penalties for White Women in Interracial Relationships. And oh, some light reading, eh, Steve? Yeah, you know. <laughs> <laughs> when I need to uh, go to sleep at night, this is what I pull out, right? Okay. <laughs> um, so uh, it looked at how white women specifically are looked upon in our society and how that impacts the world around them when involved in a mixed race relationship. So in the survey experiments that they looked at, participants evaluated couples based on only pictures of them holding hands. So uh, just imagine like the heads are cut off, the legs are cut off, and you just see like torsos with like arms intertwined while a couple's holding hands. And you can Mm -hmm. see the skin tone of the couple. So the skin colors and not the faces are visible. So uh, a white woman with a black man was evaluated more negatively than in the reverse. So meaning uh, a, a uh, black woman with a white man. Mm-hmm. Um, and the white woman was the only individual in the variety of pairings that they looked at whose perceived social status was affected at all by the skin color of their partners. Which is like, 
surprising, not surprising, uh, whatever. But so we know that there is like a very deep, ugly, historically racist societal norm at play here. Um, and there has been like just an insane amount written about this stuff. I mean, and, and necessarily so I say, um, so knowing all of this though, knowing the race, racial historical past, why do you think this perception has still stuck around? Well, unfortunately, I think that there are certain values we have that we may not even be aware of and that they are so ingrained and so much a part of us that they just continue and continue and continue. Um, and it, this does not surprise me, by the way. Um, unfortunately, especially in our society, um, the, um, blacks in our society are not considered equal to the whites Mm -hmm. or, and so immediately you're going to lose some status if you're with a black person. Now, however, if it's a black woman, she's not being um, seen as negatively. And my guess for that is because you would say, well, she's uh, done better for herself. She's with a white man. Um, Because we also know that there is a bias that we still consider men to be superior. Mm -hmm. Um, So the negativity that we put onto women is going to be harsher than the way we would judge a man. Now that goes for several uh, for several factors, not just a study such as this. Right. I'll give you just a quick to make my point. Just a yeah. quick kind mm-hmm. of um, other example. If you have um, a meeting that's being held, and the man walks in in a three piece suit and he puts his uh, attaché case down on the uh, podium or the desk, whatever. And he says, okay, let's get to it. And everybody thinks, wow, this is really somebody who's in charge. Now imagine a woman also dressed in a suit comes in, same scenario, puts her attache case down on the uh, desk and says the same thing. Let's get to it. And everybody thinks, oh, what a bitch she is. So we tend to have these biases and um, sometimes we know it and sometimes we don't. But I think that this is something that has been with our society for a very, very long time. And unfortunately, it is still continuing, both with race and gender. Right. Like that was the part that I was going to like drive home. The point when you finish was what's so insidious about this specific study is that it tackles to your point, gender and race. Yeah. And, yeah. and they collide in this like really ugly <laughs> result. Um, so why doesn't societal impression affect the other race gender mixes like it does? I mean, we, you specifically pointed out that a black woman with a white man, uh, scenario. Um, but th- any others like why why is it i mean i i mean i know but um can can you explain like why a white well, woman with a black man is so uh 
skewed in the results versus everybody else? Well, because we don't give much, um, we don't give a sense of equality to black men. Mm-hmm. And if a white, but we do think that the man is higher in status. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like that's, that's what she's going for. Mm-hmm. You know, that's as good as she, she really lowered herself because she ended up, she could have been with a white man. And now look, she's she's with a black man, and so she really has lowered her standards. Um, the black woman, on the other hand, you know, she has improved her status, and again, the white man isn't going to be put down as much as a woman is going to be put down. Right. So you've got the intermingling of both biases at the same time. Right. I you know I was. Um... I was also going to say that, uh, and I don't, I don't believe this was mentioned in the research, but I would imagine that um, any woman associated with a man would be, to your point, considered moving up, whereas a single woman uh, would, would not get that elevation and status of like, oh, look at how independent she is. Correct. Correct. Now, I have two things occur to me as we're discussing this. One is it would be really interesting to see this study, let's say, in England mm-hmm. or in France, because I don't believe that there is as much racial discrimination there. That's number one. Right. Number two, I'm also curious if this is only – um, something that occurs with blacks. If there was a um, Latino skin, let's say, would you get the same results? Because I believe we have biases with that group of people as well. Maybe not quite as much, but I think we have a bias there also, mm-hmm. that we don't see them in as high regard as we do uh, you know, white people. Yeah, I mean, I to your point about other nations, other cultures, you know, we can't talk about this kind of a study without just talking about slavery and the racial oppression mm-hmm. that we have had in our country. I mean, the first name that comes to mind when I read this was Emmett Till. And mm-hmm. um, for, you know, Google it if you don't know his story, but Emmett Till was <laughs> a 14-year-old uh, black kid who was lynched in Mississippi in 1955 uh, after he was accused of offending a white woman in a grocery store. I mm-hmm. mean, that's how deep-seated and mm-hmm. rooted, and also how recent it is. Like, that's 1955. Yeah, It's not like we're talking centuries and centuries ago. This is within uh, our lifetime. Um, mm-hmm. So it's, uh, yeah. So I just wanted to, like, highlight that as... The, the elephant in the room, <laughs> if it's yeah. not obvious already. Um, so, you know, this is a, obviously like a gigantic topic. And, and like I said, there's just so much that goes into it. And so much has been written and said and documented, etc. But one of the things that the researchers did point out that I thought was interesting that I wanted to discuss was the opposition from family members. Mm-hmm. Um, so if a white woman was with a black man, there was... Um, this uh, pushback from the family. And I know personally that I have female friends whose parents had explicitly told them they're not allowed to date black men. Mm -hmm. And this is Mm -hmm. my age. 
Uh, so do you have any tips on how to address this, break down that barrier, fight that racism? That's a really tough one, Steve, because this is such a charged issue emotionally. And anytime something has so much emotion around it and so much energy, it's hard to be logical with people. Um, they don't they don't get past it. A lot of it is fear-based, and so that's going to be really powerful. Um, I will tell you that many, many, many years ago, I think I must have, I don't even remember how young I was. I remember thinking to myself that if my children ever chose to marry interracially, I would not be against it because that's who they love, but I would advise them not to have children because I think that the children would suffer horribly by not being accepted by either culture. I've since changed that because I do think things are, I certainly wouldn't say they're fine, but I certainly do think that the, that is no longer, you know, a real issue anymore, mm-hmm. or at least I hope not. But it's very difficult to logically, rationally explain it's it's going to be okay, there's not going to be a problem, you know, I love this person, Oh, sh- and the answer would probably be, oh, she'll love, you know, your love is blinding you, you don't mm-hmm. see what the reality is. And meanwhile, the objections would be just as emotionally charged as the feeling of love. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I think that meeting the person, being around the person, understanding the person um, would certainly help. But it just depends on, um, you know, how prejudiced the family is. Uh, You know, it reminds me of the old, old movie, Guess Who's Coming to Dinner? Right. um, With Sidney Poitier. And it it was like, oh, my God, it's it's a horror. Um, I think that you know, there are certain other values that go into it, like, you know, is the person educated, um, you know, what kind of a family they come from. So some of those other criteria might help ease some of the fear and the concerns. But again, I think that's a tough one. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it, yeah, it is tough. And I, I don't think there Do you are... have any ideas? Um, I, you know, as time has gone on, um, I'm becoming less tolerant of intolerance. Intolerance. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a very good way. But I'm, I'm becoming more and more. And I think honestly, like I just kind of feel like it just needs to be called out. And there's enough time has passed. It's not like we had a recent court case that like broke everything open on any of this stuff. Mm-hmm. This is long established. Uh, like it's it's a norm now to have interracial relationships. Um, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm thinking about Loving versus Virginia, which goes back to 1967. Mm. That's when interracial couples uh, it went to the Supreme yes. Court. And again, this was a case of a white man with a black woman, and mm-hmm. they were allowed to marry, which was illegal, yes. which is illegal in 1967. Mm-hmm. But again, that's 1967. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is a long time ago for most of us. So um, this... If if a family still has a hiccup on it, I say that's them, not you. And oh, absolutely. I mean, obviously, right? But uh, uh, I don't think 
I think the time for trying to appease their feelings, um, I, I just feel like uh, you just have to address it and just be like, this is, this is the world. Uh, you can either accept it or you, or you don't, but, um, I, like it's my life, my, I'm taking control. Mm-hmm. I would love, I, I would love to have you in it. I would love to have you accept the person that I chose. Mm-hmm. You don't have to be married to them. Um, but if you're not willing to accept them into the family, then like, this is my family. Like this is my yeah. new family that I chose and you have, you now have a choice. And I, I yeah. feel like it, it, like I'm, I'm, I feel like I just would like to encourage throwing down the gauntlet and I'm not saying that's the right way to do it, but like, that's where I'm at personally. Mm-hmm. I remember, um, a close friend's brother, um, who chose to marry a black woman as it happened. He was a doctor and she was a doctor, but his mother took to bed and didn't talk to him for years. And then, and, and he just went and, you know, married the woman and, uh, started his life. And then eventually what she realized was I've lost my son and I don't want to not have my son. And she came around Mm -hmm. You know, and I think that in general, as parents, a lot of times there may be things our children do. I'm not talking about unsafe things, but there may be things our children do that are not to our liking. And you have to make a choice. Are you going to respectfully disagree and still have your children? Or are you going to stand on ceremony with the risk that you're going to lose your children? Mm Mm-hmm. I, I always go with, you know, I'm not losing my children. Right. And I always like the, the thing that I always find interesting is like, what, like, what are you gaining by holding that ground? Uh, well, or that I position? suppose, yeah, I suppose the thinking there's two parts to it. This would be my impression. Right. Number one, it was just so overwhelming to her and so created so much distraught that she couldn't deal with it. That was Mm -hmm. number one. And number two, perhaps she thought that if she, um, you know, did that kind of an action and said, well, I'm not talking to you, that he would come around and say, okay, okay, you know, I won't, you know, marry this person. But he did. And then it was, you know, as they say, the bull was in her court Mm -hmm. and she did come around. Yeah. The other thing um, I've heard stories of grandkids changing the dynamic where Mm -hmm. it's like, I'm not, I do not approve of this relationship. Uh, I'm not going to talk to you. And then a grandkid gets, (laughs) is born and it's like, well, maybe I could stop by once in a while and Mm -hmm. re, re, Mm -hmm. uh, associate. So, um, I, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm going to skip the next question because I kind of feel like we've already touched on it. Okay. And Mm so I'm going to jump to the final one that I have for you, which is a a more general question. And and we've talked about this already in an overarching argument here, which is there's implicit bias here. Um, Mm -hmm. And to be uh, gentle about it, like a lot of people act a certain way, not because they are malicious individuals, but because they haven't really put much thought into it. And it's, Mm -hmm. you know, the environment they grew up in, not to make an excuse, but it's in the environment they grew up in that they haven't given any thought to about how it has affected their actions. Um, and so 
they act a certain way or say certain things. And we know language plays a big part of all this, of mm-hmm. how we use demeaning language for certain people versus others. And, you know, both race and gender to your example of the Ashate getting tossed down. And, yeah. and one is a bossy woman and another one is a, a, a an in charge man kind of thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so if we know, if we are at this point in our society where we know these biases exist, we, uh, I, well, I'll just ask a question. How do we attack those biases? Well, you never can make a change unless you're aware. Mm-hmm. And so the biggest problem is that many of us have these implicit biases and aren't even aware that we do. I think the next problem is, you know, so if you become aware of it, mm-hmm. then you can start to make changes, which would be great. Can I say but, one thing really quick on yeah. that? Mm-hmm, so of course. To, to that point, um, I can't tell you how many men I know who had daughters who then had a different perspective on the world uh, because the, they now had a woman in their life mm-hmm. uh, that they then started – like their wife, it was like you know she's independent. She can handle herself. But once they had to take care of a mm-hmm. woman – Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that parental role, it changed their perspective on things. And so mm-hmm. to your point about recognizing it, that's right. when I know a lot of men are like, oh, crap. Like, it's not the same for them as it is for boys. So right. anyways. Right. Okay. But here's the second problem. You have to want to make a change. Mm. So I know that I don't remember exactly when it was. It was, you know, maybe the last five years. Um where there was an article about, you know, that we have implicit biases and we're not aware of it because they're implicit. Um, and, you know, do you have them and, and you're, you know, you're not aware. And so I read the article because I don't think I'm biased, but there's the possibility I am without mm-hmm. knowing it. Mm-hmm. So I read the article because I was truly interested in challenging myself. But a lot of people aren't. Right. So it just goes on and on and on. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I, sorry to interject. I, so I have two things. Uh, so because I'm, I still love technology and geek out on this stuff, um, and you hear a lot, this conversation comes up a lot about diversity in the technology mm-hmm. world. And two stories, one of them I might have shared already, uh, which is um, a, a blow dryer company mm-hmm. that had um, automatic blow dryers or soap dispensers or something like that. Right. Mm -hmm. And they built this thing and it worked great. You'd stick your hands under the machine and Mm -hmm. it spit out the soap or dried your Mm -hmm. hands. They put them into, uh, production and got them out into the field and they weren't working Mm -hmm. and they weren't working because when a black person with the darker skin tone would stick it under the motion sensor, wasn't recognizing. Oh my and it never occurred. So this is not malicious, right? Like it never, right. they were a white staff and it never occurred to them to test it with a different skin tone than their own. Oh, gosh. And that, so it, there's that. So the second example, and I just saw this one, this is not political, but this is the example that they used. It was a single image. Uh, on the top was a headshot of Mitch McConnell and on the bottom was a headshot of Barack Obama. Mm. And the... So, and this was on Twitter. And mm-hmm. uh, if you've ever posted a picture on Twitter, you know how they will a lot of times truncate and crop the picture to show a preview of it. And then you click on it and it'll expand the full image. Okay. So they, um, 
they posted the picture and it previewed Mitch McConnell. So they said, oh, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Like, how does the algorithm pick? So then they took I, the- Steve, in- I'm not hearing you. Oh, sorry. Is this better? Can you, can you hear me? Yes, this is better. I, I oh. missed, yes, I missed the piece oh. that it, it opened so up it, and you previewed Mitch McConnell. Yes, and then- I was getting excited and I slid myself back away from my microphone. Okay. <laughs> um, so yes, yeah, so they so they had Mitch McConnell at the very top and then there was like a lot of white space and then uh, uh, a headshot of Barack Obama on the bottom. And Twitter's algorithm cropped the image so that you saw Mitch McConnell. And they thought, oh, that's interesting, like wondering how the the algorithm selected what to focus on in the crop. So then they mm-hmm. posted a second picture where they flipped it so that Barack Obama yeah. was at the top of the image and Mitch McConnell was at the bottom. And the mm-hmm. algorithm once again cropped Mitch McConnell as mm-hmm. the preview image. So then they took the image and then they started adjusting the contrast of the skin tone, making Mitch McConnell darker and Barack mm-hmm. Obama lighter. And lo mm-hmm. and behold, when Barack Obama became a lighter figure in the image mm-hmm. than Mitch McConnell, he was the one that then got cropped. Wow. So again, it's, um, I, it doesn't seem like this is something that was like intentionally done, but a decision was made and this like white superiority, white hmm. preference became the default uh, through the algorithm, not what was at the top of the image or right, location right, right. or more focused or any of that stuff. And so it's just to say that like what we're talking about uh, doesn't mean that you're bad, doesn't mean that um, it, this all comes back to being aware. Like uh, if Twitter engineers, if somebody didn't do this uh, test, Nobody would have known about it. But now the question becomes, are they going to make a change to your yes, point? Yes, of course. So yes. that was my long sidebar. <laughs> no, that's that's a very interesting and scary study. Mm-hmm. That is really wow. <laughs> Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. So, so did, now I, are you yeah. going to say, do I have anything else? Uh, well, I feel and like now, I cut you off. So, yeah. I, no, I, no, I just, no, 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 oh, no. Okay. So here's the other thing that I'm going to tell you, which, and I don't remember, see, I remember big concepts. I'm not good on details. So I apologize ahead of time because I can't tell you exactly where I read this. Mm -hmm. But I find this very scary um, that the biggest terror concern that we have in the country right Mm now Mm -hmm. are the white supremacists. Right. That's scary. Yeah. That's, that came from the, um, the FBI. The FBI issued That's that correct. report. It mm-hmm. did come from the FBI, but I don't remember where I read it. Right. So it is alive and uh, out there. Right. So, um, and we, we need not to be um, sticking our heads in the sand and thinking, oh, it's not there. It's not going to affect me. Yeah. Well, so. I, it's funny because before we got on this um, podcast, we, one of the questions was like, I, you know, what are we going to talk about? And I just kind of mentioned, at least we'll make people aware. And so right. hopefully if people don't remember all the stuff that we talked about, they will at least have become aware that this is an issue and they can then now choose to uh, think about the circumstances when they find themselves in an environment where they have a choice to make. So, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, Karen, this, this is great. Um, I think we can wrap this one up. So thank you so much for your time. 
always a pleasure with talking to you, Steve. Same. And before you go, I want to remind you that you have been listening to Dr. Karen Sherman, a practicing psychologist and relationship and lifestyle issues for over 30 years. Uh, she is the author of Mindfulness and the Art of Choice, Transform Your Life. She is the co-author of Marriage Magic, Find It, Keep It, and Make It Last. Uh, you can get this and more information at her website, drkarensherman.com. And um, Karen does virtual, uh, you know, I'm guessing as like a lot of therapists do these days with COVID and everything, um, remote uh uh, practice, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. So you can find information at her website, drkarensherman.com. And of course, you can get this information and much more at our website, hitchedmag.com, including the entire archive of the podcast, thousands of articles, and a free newsletter that goes out weekly that takes about 30 seconds to sign up. So hopefully you check that out. Again, that's at hitchedmag.com. So until next time, uh, check those biases and we'll see you soon. Take care, everybody. Now we know it's going